Morgan, are you ready? Season two. Woo! Happy Wednesday, friends, and welcome back to Aquarius Behavior, a best friends podcast. I am your co-host, Morgan. And I'm your co-host, Samantha. We invite you to hang out with us each Wednesday to take in some chaotic storytelling, low-key learning, and high-quality audio. (laughs) That's the ad pod promise. Hi, Sam. Morgan, hi. Welcome. Would you like to share with us where we are today on the first episode of what we're calling our second season? Season two, baby. Season two, here we are with our new vibes yeah we got some vibes uh yeah opening ceremonies oh cheers yes Mm. great got myself a blackberry bubbly today we don't even Mm. have incense lit Mm -mm. but it is we're just so excited to turn this on i know we just (laughs) we got started okay oh my gosh you guys we are in the pod lounge right now and my 2023 wish came true my dream and we basically have we've crafted ourselves this uh, little recording studio. And so it's amazing. We got some foam panels. And so we'll put pictures. Don't worry. It's very cute. And so we each have a little seat in our pod lounge. We've put up these foam, like the thick foam squares that you can get for soundproofing. We bought a bunch of those on Amazon. Just like, you know, whatever. Samantha, thank you for lighting our incense, by the way. She's working on this while I'm describing this to you all. Shout out. I'm just <laughs> hanging out back here. She's getting it done for us. Noise. Uh, I just, as soon as I said there's no incense, I said it's opening ceremonies in the pod lounge and we don't have incense. So we're fixing that. We're okay, do- Morgan. doing it all wrong. Continue. Uh, okay. So yeah. So these panels, Samantha got all of these things for us. She was, you know, in charge of, of picking this stuff out. We got some special help, too, from my fiance, who gave us a lot of great ideas and links to things because he did some research. And so these ones on the ceiling, they just look cool because they're textured. It's, you know, each a square, probably 12 by 12 inches, right, for each square. And then there's just all of these panels on the square. So it's just this very textured situation a lot of place for the sound to go and it just looks really cool and they're black and so we've got this black ceiling now and this colored light it looks really groovy it's really cool we joel was wonderful in helping us with the adhering questions that we had because we said okay joel so the vision is we want to not make the original pod room echo because if you're with us in season Mm -hmm. one Thank you. Thank you for rocking with us through those first couple episodes where we're figuring out what does the audio look like. Um, And so, yeah, Joel was able to do some research on what the best move forward was so that the pod lounge could become exactly what we needed it to be, which was cozy, comforting, quality audio. And so we decided to do spray adhesive uh, for the foam panels on the ceiling. And that made it uh, a very fun evening project for the both of us a couple nights ago to just rock those ceiling panels up onto the ceiling. And then we just spent the last probably, what, hour, hour and a half 
getting the rest of our wall panels yeah. up. Yeah, putting all the hexagons. <sighs> we didn't go full paneling because no. this also just has to be a cute, cozy room. It's a vibe, y'all. This podcast, it is a vibe. Mm-hmm. and so, It's an aesthetic. It is an aesthetic. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and, and this room is purple. I painted it purple this summer, which I love. It's this deep purple and then there is kind of this this wall shelf that goes around half of the room and so on the top wall then i did like a slightly lighter purple and so there's some dimension in the room it's pretty and then we picked up these hexagon panels that are white gray and black and some of them have triangle cutouts just Mm. a few of them and so those are up on the wall but not totally covering the wall it's really more like an art installment i would say absolutely you know what i mean that's Mm -hmm. just on each one so yeah we just got to spend some time and these ones were so much easier because they had the peel off (laughs) get the adhesive ones get the adhesive ones oh my gosh oh my gosh and they really stick on there because i rethought one of the pieces for a moment i mean it's fine it's not a bad situation i like looking at this it's okay (laughs) but i placed a piece and then i thought oh my it could go over there and be better because then I put a plant underneath. I, I moved a monstera mm-hmm. delicioso. And so she's now sitting down there. And so I just thought, oh, well, I didn't have to go that far down with the paneling because now the monstera is there. So I could move this. And I tried yanking that sucker off and it would not move. No. So that ain't going nowhere. These are decisions that are permanent until we take tools and effort to really rip them off the wall. I think that it it's a good testament to our intention yeah, for yeah. this space that as we were spraying things and adhering things on, it's like, oh yeah, no, this this is happening. Yelling to Joel, this is happening. <laughs> yeah, it's going it's going down. So, uh, so I do think too it's interesting that this is the only room in my home that does not have popcorn ceilings. And we bought it that way. Mm -hmm. And so I don't even think it's luck, man. I think that is the the universe manifesting Mm. to me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I had no idea I wanted to start a podcast when I bought this house. I didn't know that was happening. But here we are. Here we are. And the universe has provided. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's a sign. I think it's destiny. Yeah. Destiny. We are on the path of destiny, Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh speaking of destiny, before we get into oh, no. before <laughs> Okay, so before we get into our updates, because I know that you have an update and I'm very excited to hear about mm-hmm. it. I'm excited just for our listeners to hear about it. <laughs> uh, before we do that, it is officially Aquarius season oh. as we are recording this. Uh, you and I know this, and our episode last week was specifically Aquarius Behavior, where we introduced our listeners to the Nebula app, which mm-hmm. we've been following. Have Very you looked powerful. at this since our conversation? Like, have you looked at this months? So what I have not done is download the Nebula app and get into it. Great. Because Good. I have a certain level of fear. And you guys, Aquarius season came on really hard and really strong for Samantha. Uh, and so even today, we're yeah, still uh, learning. Oh, yeah, no, we're no, no. still learning. Tell me a little. Tell us all a little bit about your Aquarius season, just in general vibes. Mm, general vibes. This is a good. This is good. <sighs> yeah. Good. Good. Okay. Yeah. This yeah. is a great introduction. Okay. I, go. You know, the whole reason for this podcast is for us to listen back to it and say. 
Do you remember mm-hmm. when you were throwing those things in the cauldron and stirring the pot? Um, making that magic, baby. We mm. are making some magic. We are looking at some big picture things right now. And 2023 is the year of a lot of big events. You know, we're both getting married this year. It is now 2023, the year of the betrothing. It is. We both have just some personal journeys that we're on as far as improvement and striving and envisioning. So one of the big things that has been part of the envisioning process is that I took your advice and bopped into the library app that you got a library card for and told me about Libby Libby app. app. (laughs) And I started listening Mm. to, I just needed something. I just needed Mm. something for the Aquarius season happening. It was fully like the 20th. I'm just ready to vibe into all of the things. And I went on to Libby, saw Brene Brown, dare to lead. And I said, yes. We are going to be manifesting some very cool things in our personal life. We're going to be manifesting some very cool things in our just career and work life. You know, what are the things that we exchange our time for for money? And what does that look like? Um, And I don't know, 2023, the year of the betrothing, the year of just looking out into the horizon and saying, okay, what is a possibility? Mm-hmm. So hanging out with Brene Brown the last couple days and fully just going eight hours yesterday and this morning and I finished it this afternoon. Oh my gosh. And then she I started like, it again. Cruised through it. Yeah. I cruised through it because it spoke to my soul mm-hmm. in a way that I needed someone to. So yeah, Dare to Lead happened in my world. And I'm just very I'm very of the whatever I'm into just encapsulates my life. And you know, we're just, that's all we're focusing on. We're just having the zhuzhi feeling of like, all right, leadership and bravery and courage and hard conversations. And those are a lot of the things that I have to, um, you know, tools that I use in like my work world. And so building something bigger than just me, all of that cool stuff um, really has hit specifically during this Aquarius season with all of the other, you know, Fun stuff that is going on behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. Brene Brown just really rocked my heart <laughs> the last two days. That's what it is. She, she does. rocked my heart. She rocks my heart too. That's, yeah. And I am looking forward to swapping with you and listening to that book because I'm going through Braving the Wilderness right now. Ooh. And that has hit me. And I listened to a few chapters at a time. But I am literally I like to do it as I am doing yoga. And so I like to listen to it as I have you as I'm doing yoga and yeah. stretching out. Usually it's my morning routine uh, or has been this week. And so that has really hit me hard. And there have been times when I am just on the floor absolutely sobbing because I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so truth right now. And her book. Braving the Wilderness is all about belonging and finding your people. And, you know, she talks a lot about how she feels like an outcast and, you know, her childhood growing up and how she just always felt out of place. And then eventually she came to the conclusion, along with people she loved and trusted who were supporting her, that, okay, I don't really fit in. And I guess I just have to make my own thing and find who my people are. And then we'll all build a thing. And so 
that just really got me thinking about my life. (laughs) So I just, I felt like it was, again, it just really feels like it's, it's just kind of made for me, that message, you know, at this point in my life. hitting you at exactly Mm -hmm. the right moment to make a big impact. Yeah. It's a ripple, ripple, ripple. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so, you know, just mm, Brene Brown. I I love that we're on there and they're okay so Joel and I watch Mythic Quest mm-hmm. and there is a character David in Mythic Quest he's the producer of the video game and he's obsessed with Brené Brown and so that's also kind of a joke in our home like oh my gosh have you heard of Brené Brown because there's this whole point where some of the characters are saying that they've never read a Brene Brown book or something and he just is aghast and you know <laughs> and so that's the whole thing in the show is he's just oh, what you, you don't know Brene Brown. Oh my god! You don't know Brene Brown. You're oh my god! With her, because <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> he's just like he's so into her. Um, but she is rad. So that well, okay. This is interesting, Sam. What you said it was interesting. We were talking about how this is hitting you at exactly r- the right time. Yeah, and we've been talking a lot about the journey. And the path, the horizon. We have. And what we're going to do with our podcast. What are we going to do with the podcast? Yep. What is the journey? What is laying out in front of us? What's mm-hmm. the destiny? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if people are wondering what we decided we're doing with the podcast, I mean, welcome to season two. <laughs> so that's what we're doing, I guess. This and is it. <laughs> we, because we've said from the beginning, we set out and said, hey, we're going to do 10 episodes 10. just to have fun and try it. And why not? And then we'll say we did it. And so we succeeded. Checkmark. Mission accomplished. And then we said, well, I mean, it feels good. It's fun. We have 17 consistent listeners. You guys. I mean, that's not zero. That's really cool. <laughs> I know. 17. That's like, cool. I don't, I don't have 17 actual live people that are consistently in my world. You know what I mean? Like, I they're... You know, we talk about like millions of people and everything, but like I got maybe six Mm -hmm. like cast of characters that are regular uh, people that pop in and out. 17 people out in the world. Like wonderful. It's so cool. We are all connected. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So so that's the scoop this year. It's we're going to make season two and we've laid out content for the year. Of course we have. We're having fun. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do that. And then maybe it'll be this little time capsule for 17 people on the planet to enjoy. Yeah. Remember this time? And maybe we'll keep going. Who knows? <laughs> I do. We will. Because this is so fun. <laughs> okay. So this brings me back then because we, we got on this topic, right? Let's bring the train back around. Yeah. We can't. We were talking about this because of the Nebula app and its Aquarius season. It's Aquarius So I am really glad that you haven't downloaded the app yet because I wanted to read our month's uh, horoscope to you because we have the same one because we're both Aquarius. Uh So sometimes things are a little bit different, but I did check both of our profiles and it actually is the same. Great. Okay. (sighs) It's interesting. I'm going to take a... All right. Hit me. All right, so first I'm going to read the general, Mm -hmm. okay? The month starts off on a high note as Venus, the planet of attraction, love, and magnetism, transits into your sign. Expect to be open to expressing yourself and sharing quality time with others. This is also an excellent time for relationships and creating more space for the people in your life. 
Then on the 12th, Mars ends a retrograde cycle in the area of your chart related to creativity. You will finally be energized to move forward on a project or a plan you have been working on on your own or with someone else. So that... What? (laughs) This is why I wanted you to tell me how your Aquarius season is going and how your January has been. Because sometimes it's a little spooky, right? I'm literally looking back Mm -hmm. at my calendar of... Okay. um, Yep. But no, I've got something even better for you. Are you ready? Because... The, the app goes into a little bit more. So it goes into categories. So there's a general, but then there's also love and relationships. Mm-hmm. There's friends and family. There's health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the one I want to read to you right now is career and business. All right, let's do it. All right. So career and business <clears throat> for us Aquarius this month. For most of the month, you can feel things in the workplace aren't flowing as smoothly as you would like. However, Following the 20th, things should ease up for you in this regard. At that time, you are able to review your work routines and figure out a better way to manage the current situations that are rising in this area of life. Then on the 24th, the moon meets with lucky Jupiter, bringing a streak of fortune and good news into business or career settings. There tends to be a strong focus on the autonomous sides of a project you are working on, and you will tend to get some credit for your efforts. <laughs> so I'm just going to let you let that sink in with everybody right now, because mm. you and I, our podcast is one thing, but we actually do have jobs that make us money because yeah. the podcast doesn't make us money. No, this is just for fun it's and loveliness, fun right and we yeah. just love it. Um, but we do have to do real things out in the world to we exchange do. our time and effort mm-hmm. for funds to support our life and our low-key podcast. There's a mortgage to pay. So, uh, But I found that super interesting because I know I have been in a place with the thing that gets me money and just it's exhausting it's exhausting to manage that part of life so much happening Mm -hmm. and so when i read that i i literally burst out laughing and i was like this is so great but now we're past the 20th too so i was like wow no okay and i was actually starting to feel better like this week I think partly because, you know, I had a back injury last week, yeah. which sucked literally the life out yeah. of me. No, you were down for days. And so, like, I just, this week, I've been re-energized. Mm-hmm. I'm finally healed. And so, yeah, reading that, I just thought it gave me shivers. And I just went, oh, spooky. Yeah, it, it's spooky. <laughs> uh, I think that specifically you talked about another date at the beginning. I think you said the 12th. And that was also a date that something interesting happened oh my gosh, in the bubble. Yeah. And so it was just like, uh, you guys, you know how like this is not this is not an astrology podcast. But when things like that happen that are just a little bit spooky, because we have not stirred the pot in some ways that we have been stirring the pot recently. And so mm-hmm. it's very interesting. It's interesting mm-hmm. that that's what it says in the career section because this we're manifesting things. Isn't we, that wild? We're sending it out into the universe and we're saying, hey there, universe. It's the middle of mm-hmm. winter. It's Aquarius season now. I know. And looking at that paragraph, well, like and- it stresses me out because also the day that you said later, I also have something planned in the future. It was like the 23rd or 24th. Yeah, the 24th. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So anyway. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I know, man. 
<laughs> I know. Yeah. And you know that I, this week, my one of my top priorities was reorganizing my office. And yes. I decluttered my office. And so to he- just seeing that and being like, oh, my gosh, I was feeling just stressed vibes yeah. about my job. And I did need to just kind of reorganize my life so things could flow better. And now I'm feeling really good and super organized and ready to take on the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, What's happening yeah. there? And then the what? Nebula app is like, hey, girl, let me tell you some secrets what? about your life. <laughs> I looked at that last night and I was like, I have to talk about this on the podcast because Samantha needs to know. And then I was wondering if you had seen it, too. Mm-hmm. No, I this like, is. I don't know. I feel like she would have told me because it's just real spooky. Samantha's just really behind on downloading and doing the joyful activities like downloading the Nebula app because work. It's work. We just read it's it. It's all the, the work thing. The horoscope. This is why. What was at the beginning of that when it talked about the beginning of the month? Because I need to talk about the devastating thing that happened on New Year's Eve day. New Year's was Day. Was it? Okay, it was. It's. The 12th was when Mars ends a retrograde cycle. Mm-hmm. What did it say at the beginning? We started out for the month. The month starts off on a high note as Venus, the planet of attraction, love, and magnetism, mm-hmm. transits into your sign. Yep. Expect to be open and expressing yourself and sharing quality time with others. Mm-hmm. This is an excellent time for relationships and creating more space for people in your life. All right. You guys, <laughs> we're going to pivot, right? We're gonna jump over. We're gonna jump over to Samantha's devastation. Is there any, is there anything else you needed to say about the Nebula app? No, because that was it. Does this, this lead you yeah, into we your need to official talk about it. weekly update? We need to talk okay. about it because okay. I've been planning and thinking about this. So okay, go. last a few episodes ago, because we do record these a little bit before time. Um, we did a best buds episode where I talked about my gigantium. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't hear that episode, Uh, We decided Best Buds is going to be a segment where we talk about the plants that we love or that are teaching us lessons or are giving us life and joy. So I spoke about my gigantium and its huge leaves and how we're just really trying with it in our suburban climate, et cetera, et cetera. So I did talk in that episode about how it was in a giant pot and how it does need to be repotted and how, you know, maybe I'll put it on a thing, whatever, whatever. So I have a day where Eric and I decide that we are going to hang shelves on the big wall in our living room. We're going to put his plants up there. We're going to do some lighting. And I decided that I needed to put a plant on the floor just to kind of create some off-centered synergy. And my gigantium was going to be the thing. Mm -hmm. So I started messing with it and trying to get it onto a like bended wire thing as opposed to a moss pole because... It actually needs to fan oh. out in all directions as opposed to just fronting. Got so it. it is one of those where the leaves go all the different ways. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was messing with it mm-hmm. and Eric was standing next to me and I he was in the middle of a project and I was like, hey, honey, can you help me? Can you hold this really quick mm-hmm. while I do the thing? So he was holding the top, but he, you know, when someone's helping you and they're like 45% helping you because they're actually in the middle of something else. So I was like, honey, would you hold this for me? And then after a minute or so, I took it back, but he was still standing there because I was like, don't leave. I need you just for a second. And then we got to the point where Samantha started feeling frustration because it was not doing the thing that she wanted it to do. And after a moment, 
I moved it a specific way and the entire thing snapped in half. And all of a sudden I had everything that was above the dirt, my gigantium, in a broken piece in my hand. And Eric looked at me and he said, I knew that would happen. And I said, I'm so mad at you right now. And then I burst into tears and I stomp upstairs, put my gigantium on the table. And I just had a moment because my heart hurts so bad right now. Here's the thing. Uh, Eric is such a wonderful and supportive person. And he also sometimes just doesn't have a filter because he totally knew it was going to happen. Because He's an Aries. Messy. He's That's an Aries. He's, this is just, just a thing. wild fire energy exactly and so that whole thing resulted in my plant breaking but also eric and i having a really nice conversation afterward about how it's okay for samantha to ask for help even if she's frustrated and samantha's not wasting other people's time and also eric needs to not be in the middle of a project when he's helping me a lot of good things got sussed out so that's why the beginning of that nebula part was like relationship relationship but here was the kicker morgan during that time i was in the middle of editing the best buds episode yeah so i had broken my gigantium in half but had not actually finished doing the best buds episode so then i had to listen to myself talk about how much i loved my gigantium. and like you had to like hear your pride <laughs> and, and oh my and god my hope ow. for the future and everything so once i felt my emotions and really identified that it wasn't about my gigantium breaking it was about you know, it's never about the thing that you're upset about. It's always about everything else. Yeah. And yeah. the gigantium breaking is also like it literally broke, but maybe it was also a metaphor for the day. <laughs> you know, and this was a lot of my philosophical thinking. I, yeah. yes, I agree with you. It's powerful. It was a lot of thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And also for the last how many days I've known that I was going to talk about this on the podcast because while it was devastating in the moment now it is kind of a hilarious metaphor for a lot of the things that were going on and it was also snapping it on half the first day of 2023 because it was new year's day Mm -hmm. and so i snapped my favorite plant in half but then (laughs) like this is not this is not how the year is gonna go energy that i am looking to manifest (laughs) and attract in my life but it's fine so after we collected our emotions off the floor and just took a moment to really actually appreciate that that was a good necessary cry and it was actually really nice to start the day I was just okay we're gonna but then we saw opportunity morgan because now samantha said okay let's start taking pictures of just the wreckage so uh i am currently i have my dirt pot with my little nub and one little tiny bit coming out under a grow light and i am just putting that there mm-hmm. and hoping that it just lives its life and may it it'll probably survive and then the entire half um i should say the entire rest of the actual plant that has maybe 10 big leaves on it Mm -hmm. uh we put in water water propagation and i don't know if i took a picture yet or not i think i might have been waiting just another day or two but there's a root (gasps) there's a root it is alive it's in rough shape but it's alive and so We are looking at this as a new opportunity. 2023, uh, I was trying to make my gigantium do too many things. It wanted to not be mounted how it was, and it did not want to be displayed how I was wanting to display it. And so it spoke to me and teach me. It teached me just a a bunch of lessons, and I chose to use the inanimate object being destroyed in my hand by my strength 
as a learning moment after feeling my feelings. Mm-hmm. So pictures will be on the Instagram because wow. I knew that I had to document my devastation. I hope you all appreciate that from destruction can come new opportunities mm-hmm. because now I have two gigantics. <laughs> now you have two. Wow. So really you doubled, doubled your pleasure. I just- <laughs> Doubled your fun. <laughs> you know, hashtag I, double my gum. <laughs> I, I really do think that it is a lovely just symbol of what we're striving for this year of out of out of the ashes shall come strength and yes. abundance. The phoenix rises from <laughs> the ashes. Dude, you're right. And you know what? As a fellow plant lover, collector, and if any of our listeners own plants, that I think is something we all can relate to mm. at some point. Like it is, it's devastating and it's heartbreaking. When I you murdered have it. a favorite plant and Ugh. something happens. Yeah. And you are not alone because I I have had plants that have fallen. Uh, you know my favorite plant, which I'll talk about her someday, Enya. She has full on fallen like a cat has my cat has knocked her over. Uh, and you know, leaves have broken off, and then the plants in shock. And yeah, well, the pot has <gasps> broken, the dirt has gone everywhere. Yep, it the just, roots are just flailing, yeah. and you know, and it's a terrible feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible feeling yeah. because you know we love our plants, and par- it's part of our self care routine. Yeah, that's the thing too is that like, <laughs> wow, this really nice thing that I've cultivated in my quiet plant time because yeah. plants are an internal quiet activity. Mm-hmm. And when you destroy something that you like cultivated and made like stylistic choices about and like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. going to cut this leaf or I'm going to put it in this pot and da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, seeing the destruction is it is it hurts more than just breaking something in the kitchen, for example, yeah. dropping a glass and it's shattering in the kitchen. Different. Very different. Yep. It's very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's oh, girl, <laughs> that's hard. And. I the joy though that I'm also feeling that things are starting to regrow because that is also what always happens with plants and I think for me that's one of the reasons I became so obsessed with plants because it is that feeling of connection with nature for me of yes I too can choose to regrow and sometimes things are just not working or like your gigantium essentially I'm hearing was just failing under the weight of its own beauty and majesty and my expectations and your high expectations of just like (laughs) this is what we need to do and the plan was just like no man i got i just gotta grow okay i just gotta grow (laughs) my own way i gotta grow my own way yes i gotta grow my own okay (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes you just gotta She's got to let nature do its thing. Life. Life will find a way. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Life uh, finds a way. There it is. Thank you, Jeff Goldblum. Come on our show. Come no on doubt. our show. I couldn't. I couldn't. No. I would freak out. No, that's... I mm. would have a heart attack and mm-hmm. I would pee my pants yeah. simultaneously no. at the same time if I met Jeff Goldblum. Or even if he was just like... If he was an eyesight. Yeah. 
I'm having like a small like a panic attack thinking about it right now. We have talked about a few people that we would have a moment if they came on the show. Um, Jeff Goldblum's one for me. Uh, yep, Jeff Goldblum. I think that we've yelled about uh, too much. Doctor Sydney McElroy before. Um, those are some strong feelings. Oh my gosh! Just all the all the positive energy that what uh, Abpod is attracting. And uh, but yeah, guys, life uh finds a way. Mm, it does. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks for. Thanks for choosing to be vulnerable here on AdPod mm-hmm. and share that, you know what, sometimes plant grown is tough and lessons. There are lessons mm-hmm. and stuff happens out of our control. <laughs> look at the way you chose to yep. deal with it. Mm-hmm. It was uh, that was mature. Just it's not a mature baby steps, baby. Well, tell me about your thing because that's that's been the thing oh, yeah. rolling around in my Aquarius bowl of just mm-hmm. okay, we're gonna talk about the gigantium and we're gonna feel good vibes about it and send it out into the universe for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Morgan. Great. Give me okay. your open oh, it's still opening ceremonies, everyone. It's still yeah, opening yeah. ceremonies. It's, this is a long episode. We're just <laughs> season like, two, baby. We're chilling. We're real happy to be back uh in season two here. So yeah, we're just hanging out today. Get your ears ready. So all right. This is it. We're gonna take a pivot, pivot, and so last week, you know, I injured my back, and so we are in the Midwest. It is very icy and snowy here sure right is. now, and so I slipped, and I was very proud because I did not fall, and I caught myself, and so like my left leg went straight out in front of me, and then my right leg, you know, bent behind me, and I caught myself, and. Like, you know, my back also just everything tightened and straightened. And I felt it was very much like a Neo move in the Matrix yeah. where I was just like, ooh, you know, dodging bullets. Like you're surfing almost. Totally. Yeah. And I felt, I'm not going to lie, I felt pretty BA after it because I had that moment of like, oh, my God, did anything get hurt? And I was very focused on like my foot and my ankle. Yeah. Because, because you know, I have plantar fasciitis. Yeah. And so it's always, you know, what's happening there? Did I strain something? Brr, brr, brr. How and you are came, you? You came downstairs and you were like, oh, yeah, I fell. Like, <laughs> like, and it was just like, I looked at you like, okay. And no, I didn't fall, remember? Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. You, I, I caught was like, myself. I almost, I fell. almost fell. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. And because, yeah, I was like pretty proud of myself. But no, turns out I just pulled like every muscle on the left side of my back like lumbar area mm-hmm. low back and also my right leg and so i spent most of last week just nursing my body mm-hmm. back to health and so and it was particularly hard too because i've been doing a lot more yoga the last two years and picked that up as a hobby and so i now know how flexible my body can be and you know how far i can go with things and so i was I don't normally get hurt physically. And so for me, it was just a big hit mentally because I just don't experience that. And so it's just a very new sensation for my body. It put my limbic system into overdrive. (laughs) I was feeling very like fight or flighty. Uh, You were trapped on the couch. I was. And And so you also could not move and your brain is not used to Mm-mm. being stuck in one place. No. I yeah. am actually a very active person. Yeah. And so 
I I wiggle a lot. I I like walking. Yeah. I move around. Like I like standing. I prefer that. So it's just oh, it was too much. And so during this time, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I need to be gentle. I need to. I I could. I was like, I couldn't even be on my computer and stuff because it literally hurt to sit up. Anyways, so. I was trying really hard to be compassionate last week, really trying to take care of myself, just do listen to my body and slow down and do what my body was asking me to do to heal, which is very hard for me. And so I was looking then for something to watch as I was on the couch because I also don't watch a ton of TV. I have a hard time sitting and my attention span is very short. So I started rewatching the show that I absolutely love called Horrible Histories, <laughs> and it is so much fun. So for people, okay, if you have not seen Horrible Histories, it is streaming right now on Hulu. I don't know if it's anywhere else, but I freaking love this show, mm-hmm. and it is a uh, educational sketch comedy show that was started in 2009. I think it ran 2009 to like 2012 or 14. And then there was also a movie. Okay. I haven't seen the movie, but mm-hmm. I will someday find it mm-hmm. <laughs> streaming. And so it is, it's so fun. It's like Bill Nye, the science guy meets Monty Python's flying circus. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a lot of silly slapstick comedy in it um pretty campy lots of fun costumes accents Mm -hmm. and it's all of these short sketches about different times in history and so they have all of these recurring segments about egyptians and you know the edwardian period the stuart period the stone ages uh i think they do the first and maybe second world war And then in later seasons, they get even a little bit more modern. So by season four, then they're doing like they've got one about the 60s and groovy things that happened then. So it's fun because then it gets more modern. Uh, And so what I love about this show is that it is this basically this like theater troupe. And so I think it's six, maybe like six to eight people who play all of the characters who are the main actors and then they're also the writers. So Oh, that's so great. Yes. Yeah. And so they write everything. And so it is so funny. Mm-hmm. And I just love low-key learning, obviously. And obviously. So, mm-hmm. so that's what it is. Yeah. And it's based off of this book series from the 90s of the same name, which I also didn't know until rewatching it this time around. And so then I went it's and found all these. Yeah, it's this whole book series. Okay. Which you can still buy. Like, I was just looking it up on the internet. And so, very fun. And what I also love about this group of people is they do also, like, wrote and star in the show Ghosts, which is another show then that as I was watching Horrible Histories, Mm -hmm. and of course then Joel was popping in and out, that made him want to watch uh, Ghosts and rewatch that show. So, the UK version... There is also a U.S. version, which I have not seen, but we watched the U.K. one, which mm-hmm. is the OG. And so it's the same uh, just comedy troupe. And again... So the people who did Ghost, the yes. U.K. version, 
are the writers for horrible histories. Yes. The writers Ugh. and actors. Okay. Yes. Cause yeah, I've only seen the first episode of ghost because you were like, Hey, no. So this is not the movie ghost. No, it's this not the is movie. Not it's the not movie. the Patrick Swayze. This is not that. Demi Moore. This no. is the show ghost. And ghosts. Go, go, ghosts. Plural. Yes. yes. Ghosts. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you've only shown me the first episode, but it's such a fun premise for a show and because all of those beautiful creative minds are now working together in this that's so fun and cool yeah yeah yes and Mm -hmm. so if you have not seen the show ghosts i highly recommend it i think it is hilarious it's great Uh, general premise yeah is that it is about this young woman named allison and her husband mike and allison inherits a mansion essentially like this this property and this family estate Mm -hmm. like after a distant relative passes away and she's the only one left so she inherits the house and then after an accident while she falls out a window something yep she falls out a window (laughs) after an accident she uh actually technically died for like a couple minutes and they brought her back and so after that she is able to see ghosts and so they go back to the house and she realizes that the house is haunted and there are it's not just ghosts, ghosts that live there. It's not just like spooky ghosts. It's people. None of them are spooky. Ghosts throughout time. Yes. So it's people who have lived on the property or mm-hmm. experienced something on the property or died on the property. They've all died there. Okay, great. Yep. And so, again, mm-hmm. first episode, Samantha. That's <laughs> should be the, just the exactly. title of my corner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, and so it was just such a fun, cute premise because it's all people from throughout history mm-hmm. and they all are so beautifully written. And you know when people, you can just tell that they love what they're working on that's the feeling that i got watching that show just just such fun and so yeah she's just trying to figure out how to live her life now that now that she can see yes all of these and these ghosts have never been seen before and so for them too it's just this amazing you know thing that has happened to everybody like oh my gosh you can see us like can you do things for us we're super bored here and so she (laughs) then starts building a relationship because some of them are her distant relatives um but the whole basically to be in the house you have to have had died on the property Mm -hmm. and they can't leave the property so they're all stuck there and if they try to leave it's basically just this little like loop that they just come back to the beginning and then they're there again. Yep. And so it's, yeah, so it's just really cute. And for her, because she's the only person left in her family, she loves it because she's like, well, it's like, it feels like it is my family and I have this attachment to my roots and I get to learn more about where I came from and all these people who have lived in this house that my ancestors came from. And, you know, there's, so many fun characters like you said there is a caveman <laughs> who has been there obviously the longest yes so. <laughs> he's a little bit nutty too just from being around so yep yep and so robin is the caveman there is someone from i believe she's from the georgian era and then there is someone from the victorian era we've got a world war Two. <laughs> A guy who I think was in maybe like the Air Force or or the Army. I don't really know which one. Uh, There's a Boy Scout master from the 80s. 
There's a politician from the 90s. <laughs> There's, oh, Mary, she was a witch burned at the stake. Yes. Yes. Mary. A lot yep. of really beautiful characters. <laughs> yes. And then there was someone who was from the Elizabethan era who was beheaded. And so the joke for him is just like his head is never with his body. Or like, you know, so it's like his head is either there or his body is. They're just, they're hardly ever together. Yeah. So, um, but what was super funny, so what I've loved about this, because we have been reading Sense and Sensibility. Yes. And so the last two weeks, I've just immersed myself with historical shows. And so it's been very fun. And when I was watching Ghosts, Oh, I didn't remember this part, but there is an episode where, well, back up. So beep, part beep, of, so beep. like besides <laughs> the ghost being the obvious premise of the show, mm-hmm. um, it's also centered around Mike and Allison's relationship and how they're going to make money and keep the house. And so they try doing all these different things. Like they have, um, some like weddings there they start to market it as an event center but then they also invite like uh a documentary crew to come in Mm -hmm. they also invite a uh like these people i don't know if they're from hollywood but some people to film a movie there and so allison's telling the ghosts you know hey i want to prepare you there's a film crew coming in they're going to be doing this and some of them are excited and they're like oh my gosh what kind of movie it's like a period piece and she goes yeah the regency era and they all go oh Oh. and i laughed so hard because (laughs) i think like just so classic and i'm sure maybe that's a thing in britain where they're just like yep the regency era it's just all about the regency era because that is Jane Austen. That is Jane Austen. The yeah. Regency era. And everyone just goes, oh. Oh, <laughs> of course. Uh. So I thought that was great. And then I thought I'd share that today because it's a great segue into today's episode, which is our very first book nook. Book nook. Woo! With Jane Austen! Mm-hmm. Woo! Mm-hmm. So before we get into that, let's all take a quick stretch break go get hydrated and we'll be back in just a minute hey abpod listeners hope you're feeling groovy and this episode is bringing a slice of joy to your wednesday did you know you can follow aquariusbehavior.pod on instagram you can see weekly episode updates and behind the scene pictures of our podcast you can also email the show at aquariusbehavior.pod at gmail.com to share your friendship stories or suggest a segment. Stay hydrated, buddies. Now, on with the show. Okay, Samantha, are you ready for Book Nook? I have been looking forward to recording this for so long. Me too, yes. me too, me too, me too, me too. This is, uh, it's pretty cool that at this point in our friendship now, we have read the same book halfway through at the same time, we are experiencing the same story. So thank you. Yeah, Sense and Sensibility is the book that we chose to start our journey with, with Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is huge because you and I have had an, the intention to read Jane Austen together for several years. Yep. And so first off, I want to start by just talking about our experiences with Jane Austen. I want to know, have you read any of these books before? Have you seen movies? What do you know? 
go. So I, my only experience with Jane Austen has been movies that we have watched together. So it was either you or my sister, uh, Pride and Prejudice, I think was the first one that I watched. And then was it the 05 with Keira Knightley? Yes. Or miniseries? Okay. Yes. I think that that I watched with my sister and Mm -hmm. then I yelled in your general direction about Pride and Prejudice and you said, hey, guess what? There's a BBC series. I think is what it is. Yeah. BBC series. Yep. Yep. And so then we immediately sat and watched that. And then that's when I learned about Sense and Sensibility because then I watched the movie that had my heart song, Kate Winslet. Mm. Yeah. In it. The Ang- We're talking about the Ang Lee movie. Hugh Grant. Oh, my gosh. I'm sitting over here like, okay, I can say Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. And now I'm desperately looking at Morgan in the eyes, being like, all right, yeah. start naming the other ones. So you said Alan Rickman. Oh, yeah. No, we'll just name them all. Go. And we'll Hugh Grant. And then there's Kate Winslet. And Emma Thompson. And then Emma Thompson. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> that was my first experience with Sense and Sensibility. Yeah. Was that group of actors and actresses playing these characters. So for me, reading the first half of Sense and Sensibility... I had a lot of fun imagining all of the characters as that cast while I was reading the book, which also gave me a little bit more of just lovely laughing moments as I picture, you know, because, you know, people's faces Mm -hmm. and like some of our favorite people are in that movie. It's just I can just picture them delivering all the lines. So that was my experience with uh, coming into contact with Jane Austen over the past few years was movies first. This is my first time uh, reading Sense and Sensibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I had read Austin before, but this is, uh, excuse me, I had read Pride and Prejudice before, mm-hmm. but this is my first time reading Sense and Sensibility. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, me too, me too, yeah. me too. So tell me Sensies. about how you have encountered Jane Austen over the years. Yes. I am similar, right? Movies mainly. I've never read the books. I have listened to Pride and Prejudice on audiobook a couple mm-hmm. times which was delightful. Yeah. And so Ride and Prejudice is the one I'm also most familiar with. Yeah. I've seen a lot of the movie adaptations, the BBC series you mentioned, starring Colin Firth. Yeah. Just out of reach. Oh, he's always. Always just just out out of reach. And so he is the epitome of Mr. Darcy. (laughs) And then he also is in Bridget Jones's Diary. Mm which I watched in high school and absolutely fell in love with. <laughs> and so you've never seen Bridget Jones's Diary? We're working uh, on our what? podcasting sign oh language. God. I know, because I'm over here like I haven't oh seen that movie. I, yeah, no, put it on the list. Not only put I a pin in it, this. put it oh my God, on the list. I know, okay. I know, I'm ill-prepared <sighs> for everything. Okay, put a pin in it. I did not know this is this mm-hmm. new information Colin I'm learning Firth. about you for the first time. And I'm Bridget Jones so Diary. excited. Mm-hmm. Renee Zellweger and Hugh Grant is in it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. It yeah. is literally, it's just a modern retelling of Pride and Prejudice. Like, Colin Firth, who plays Mr. Darcy in the BBC version, literally plays a character named Mr. Darcy. His name is Mark Darcy. So, and I so, did not know oh my about God. that aspect of Bridget Jones's diary. Um, I know. Okay, so first of all, we're talking about sense and sensibility today, 
but the okay. links to Pride and Prejudice, uh, it's all connected. It's all okay. connected. No, but Pride and Prejudice is our February. <gasps> yeah, and so, so that's I'm going to tell you, here's mm-hmm. what we're going to do, because we're going to start also watching some movie mm-hmm. adaptations. I, I'm so excited. Okay, my brain is buzzing. We got to put a pit in this. We're learning new things every day. Yep. I am so flippant excited, because that is literally, that is like... That is a favorite movie of mine. I do not care for the sequels. Those were money grabs. They are what they are. I've seen them all, but whatever. But that first movie, chef's kiss. It mm-hmm. is perfection for me. And just, ugh, it came at a time in my life when I was like, oh my God, first of all, I'm watching, I was like 15. I'm like, I'm watching this rated R movie while I'm babysitting. And like, you know, the parents have it in their movie stack. And oh my gosh. And then that movie just spoke to me and <clears throat> oh my gosh, there is so much. I th- I am just having like montages in my mind and like flashes of scenes that I can't wait for you to see. And then I'm so excited to see your reaction when you see my favorite scenes, but I'm not going to tell you they're my favorite scenes. I just want you to watch them and then wait for your reaction and then I'll also tell you about all of my experiences. Oh my gosh, there's so many things, Sam. We I have cannot to talk about wait. It. I'm so excited. Yep. Anyways, yep. okay. So put a big pinned, open on that. Pinned. <sighs> okay. It's right there. Ooh, I gotta come down. Let's, I gotta come down here. Yeah. So we're circling Ooh, back at it like a we, seven right now. We okay. started talking about mm. how Colin Firth, wow. just out of reach, been in a bunch of great movies, and now we're gonna bring it back to <sighs> Sense right. and Sensibility I'm and Austin. Um, centered. Okay, you were telling us about your experience. You were telling us collectively, Morgan, yes, about your experience with Jane Austen mm-hmm, and your mm-hmm, encounter mm-hmm. with them. So yeah, yeah. it was movies first so far. Yes, and then yes, and so it's also the like I was saying the modern retellings of Jane Austen. So mm-hmm. because I just was very exposed to, I was heavily exposed to movie adaptations. So Bridget Jones's Diary, which is a modern retelling of Pride and Prejudice. Clueless, mm-hmm. which we've talked about on the show before. Yes. Another love, cinematic love of my life, yeah. Clueless. Yeah. Oh my God, forever. Um, like when my brother recently had a baby, I gifted them a clueless book for children. Yep. They rewrote like the movie book as a picture book. It's was like pretty adorable. You must have this. Mm-hmm. And so this is important. But that is um, like I said, modern retelling of Emma. And so Sense and Sensibility, yes, we watched the Ang Lee version for the first time many, I don't know, maybe like five ago. years ago or something. Yeah. And it's from the 90s. And I mean, Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet separately are perfection. Yeah. And then together. It's just a glowing. What a powerhouse. Yeah. And so as I'm reading this, because this is also the first time I've read Sense and Sensibility, I had a hard time not envisioning them as Eleanor and Marianne because as I'm reading this book, reading their descriptions, their dialogue, Eleanor, her whole (laughs) – just like she has a lot of inner monologue in this book too. And so there's a lot of pages that are just her, uh, you know, talking about situations in her head and how she's going to react and possibilities. And so I'm really relating to that. But I cannot imagine someone else besides those people playing these characters. Yeah. They they really lived into the role. Yes. And 
like soaked themselves in these characters. Because one thing that I love about Austin, and I mentioned this right at the beginning when we started reading this, just in passing, that there are no descriptions of the characters or what they look like in the book. Yep. And so it leaves it to the audience and the reader to just infer who these people are in your mind, which I think is such a lovely way, especially back when this was written in the Regency era, mm-hmm. um, just being able to do it. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. I like that the characters, yeah, that her her story isn't dependent on characters' looks. Yeah. It's actually about their personalities. Yeah. And that's what she focuses on, mm-hmm. which also I think leaves so much room then for film and plays to be made with these stories yeah. because they can be anybody. We don't have a set image in our head mm-hmm. of what that character is going to look like. Yeah, How close can the director get to casting yeah. exactly the right face when truly it is like you're saying with Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet, get two powerhouse leading ladies, mm-hmm. put them in these roles and they transform into exactly who they could be there. Those could have been two living, walking people, you know, back in the day. And just, yeah, the movie adaptation of that is a masterclass in lady performances and also fantastic music. And if you want to give a feeling to yourself, uh, just cinematography. Yeah, oh cinematography, my gosh. Yeah. Angley did Brokeback Mountain. So just, you know, the beauty, the light, the sceneries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. The the mood. That's what he's all about. Yeah. yeah. Just think of that mood. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's beautiful. So, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so, so back we are going to talk about the book. So that's mm-hmm. what we both know. So, movie movie journey we're and mainly yelling into about the it. movies. Yep. Yeah. So this is the first time we're both reading it. Good for us. Mm-hmm. How did you go about reading this book? Because we also have, we've said this before, we have the same book set. We have the same Austin book set. Of the six or five books plus a journal, six books. Six plus, books, yep. yep, plus a little journal. Yep, which is very cute. And so mm-hmm. we have the exact same edition. <laughs> We're keeping this consistent. It's scientific book nook. That's right. And starting from the same book, yeah, my, my process... I thought that I was going to be a cozy little baby with my cozy little book mm-hmm. propped in a window nook somewhere reading it's quietly to myself. Yeah, a little coffee and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I've mentioned that my life got thrown up in the air and we are just doing a lot of fun things. So I've also mm-hmm. had homework during, <laughs> during this very interesting time. And so I decided to audiobook it. And then also mm-hmm. whenever I heard something that gave me joy or made me laugh. I made a note of it just like in my hard copy book. But for me, I had to have someone just deliver it to my brain while I existed in my real life. And it actually made some moments pretty magical as Mm -hmm. I was listening to just the loveliness of, you know, or the angstiness or the the feelings. And it's like, yeah, I'm feeling that too. I know, right? Gosh. (laughs) Or, oh, wow, yeah, I'm watering my plants and we're talking about the loveliness of you know, where they're living and whatever. And yeah, so uh, it was definitely audiobook journey for Samantha. We put on the headband with the headphones in it and we just rocked it out. Uh, and I ended up actually listening to it through twice, mm-hmm. the audiobook, 
because the first time, you know, when you listen to something, but you don't catch everything. And like, I was also driving and doing my real life during these times too. So I was also audiobooking it in the car. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah, just having, having it on and like being the noise that I just experienced while I was existing in my life was very cool. And that's how I got through the first 25 chapters, listened to it twice Mm -hmm. and then made notes. I thought I was going to be able to read it. And it turns out that no, but then no. You, but you used your book for the notes then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you like marked things and yeah. underlined passages. You dog-eared a couple. Dog-eared pages. a couple things. Yeah, that's great. It just made me giggle. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So tell me about how you tackled your twenty-five chapters. I also thought I was going to be a reader, and that was really what I wanted to do. Reading still sometimes just feels like work for me after I had to read so many textbooks in college, and so. I lost the joy a little bit and I want to get back into that, but I have been really enjoying audiobooks and podcasts over the last couple of years. I feel like the rest of the world, (laughs) everyone's into that right now. Uh, But, you know, because it's so awesome. And so I, yeah, when I'm just feeling wiggly or I want to do some chore in for the day, mm-hmm. it's such a nice thing to have in my ear. And so I've been listening to Rosamund Pike. Narrate, which has been delightful because she is the eldest sister in the O5 Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley. So lovely. Yeah. So it's been lovely mm-hmm. to listen to that familiar voice. She does great characters too. Yeah. Because it's yeah. been cute. Jane. Right. Yep. Jane. Jane. Yep. Jane. Jane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She just has a love, just um, the, the tonality. That how hard they've worked on their accents to be so feeling like mm-hmm. the time. She, they just did such a lovely job. So Jane narrates. Them. Yes, she oh. narrates Sense and Sensibility. Mm. Yeah. So it's been lovely. Well, Sam, before we get into talking about our book, would you like to hear some fun facts? Are we going to do some low-key learning? We're going to do some low-key learning right now. Mm. Because, give me some context mm, for this book yeah. and what what was what was it? What's happening? Yeah. So I looked up a few things. So first, I wanted to share a couple fun facts about Jane Austen herself and when this book came about originally. Okay. okay. Yeah, I know nothing. Great. I didn't either. And so <laughs> I this is how all of our conversations start. I know nothing. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. I am not just coming to you with this information in my head. I just like go on Wikipedia or in this case, there's actually a Jane Austen website, which I can put a link to. It's very cute. It's like janeaustin.co.uk, I think. And so I found a couple interesting facts about Jane Austen that I wanted to share. Fabulous. So we are reading the Jane Austen books this year in the order that they were published. Mm -hmm. And so Sense and Sensibility is the first novel that she published, which was in 1811. Oh, that's so long ago. It's so long ago. so long ago. Okay. (laughs) So, so what, 200, I can't do that. math, 211 years, 212 years? Yeah. It was a million years ago. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, 200, wow. 200 years ago, man. 200 and something years ago. Yeah. <laughs> the audio just yeah, cut out, more. and now I'm going to start again. Mm-hmm. So, like, 200 and something years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, over 200 years ago. Wow. Do you know how old Jane Austen was when this book was published? No. Take a guess. Yeah, I'm trying how to infer some feelings. It's like knowing enough about 
love and life and things. Yeah, and her character and like characters and how they were flushed out mm-hmm. and the style and storying. Like I want to say late thirties, early forties. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That is, yeah. I'm you know I'm gonna go with a solid. Um, I'm gonna a solid forty one. Nice. <laughs> you were very close. Yeah. 36. Hey! <gasps> you said late 30s. Uh-huh. It's Aquarius season, and Jane Austen was just de boots, Arun de boots our age. I know, is that she weird? Was, well, when she was probably writing these, because this is the publishing date, right? Yeah, and so, so she was how 36 years- when it was published. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. Yes. And the book was published anonymously in 1811. Okay. But then it was really successful. Yeah. Right away. Okay. And so, way to go, Austen, right? Yeah. To put this into a little bit more perspective, too, as to her lifetime. So her first novel was published when she was 36 years old. Okay. That's when she, you know, kind of just started to make it big. But Jane Austen died young. Do you know what age she died? 41. 42. Oh, no. (laughs) No. So only like, what, five years? Five years after she. Six years. So six years of publishing. Mm -hmm. And boop. Her entire so that I think I'm gonna pause there to just talk about Jane Austen a little bit because when I heard about that, I did not know that was wild. And I didn't know this. And then it was like thinking about the things that have been happening in my January (laughs) and now the start of Aquarius season. And I was just researching this stuff last week and it blew my mind a little bit and it also gave me just this sense of calm and it kind of reassured. I reassured myself that I was like, you know what? You know what, Morgan? You're coming upon your mid-30s, and you may not feel like you've accomplished a whole lot, but you know what? Jane Austen pumped out her legacy in six years, baby. Okay. That's right. She took her late 30s, and she just said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. This is my production. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, how long was she doing, you know, working on bits? You know, and- and not even writing, but it's like you were living your life, girl. Mm-hmm. She was living her life. She was watching life so that she could write about it. Yeah. And now her novels are some of the most beloved novels of all time. And they capture just this incredible moment in history and so detailed about the psyche of women, about the relationship between people of different classes, you know, just it's incredible. And so amazing. So I had a little bit more hope for myself. And (laughs) as I learned about that, I was like, I'm glad I'm fine. (laughs) Jane Austen could speak to you through time. (laughs) Yes. And say, hey, don't forget about me. Mm -hmm. And the option of loading that success into the back end of your 30s. (laughs) Yep. And this is exactly, this right here is Mm -hmm. exactly why Jane Austen is still relevant today and why we are still reading her books, why we are still making movies about this, why people are spinning it to new adaptations. I mean, have you seen Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? That is on our list. We were going to watch it over Halloween and we were busy podcasting. We didn't get to it. So that can go on the list. Because I got to say, it's another one I really enjoy. Yeah. Super fun. Yep. So. What a fun time. That. I just thought was amazing. Do you have any thoughts on this? Do you have anything to chime in here? You know, one of the things that I really did love about 
this book and especially the beginning of it and thinking about this is her really first work of published writing, the intimate conversations and like you were saying, the psyche of women, that is exactly the correct way to put it of this is how women connected with each other, communicated with each other, planned for their future and kind of made their contingency plans, right? Mm -hmm. Because the whole first half of the book is like, well, girl, you're a single girl. You're going to get married. We're all watching. We're all looking for someone for you to get married to. We're all keeping our eyes out. (laughs) Who are you going to love? Who are you going to fall in love with? And a lot of that and talking about what they want for themselves and what they want for their future and whether it's short-term goals, a little bit more Marianne energy mm-hmm. or long-term goals like Eleanor energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think that the first half of this book is a glimpse into the psyche of women and what it was like to have lady relationships, ladyships, uh, ladyships. back back in the Regency area, the Regency era. The Regency yeah. era. Yeah. And so thank you for bringing us to our next <laughs> <coughs> low-key learning historical topic. Samantha, what is the Regency era? <laughs> so I did not know that this era existed because I, you know, I'm on this side of the pond and am not literate in all of the European history things. So I only know edwardian and victorian and i only recently learned that that's because that's who was ruling at the time and so regency area excuse me i keep saying area the regency era you mentioned Mm -hmm. was a little chunk of time that doesn't always get a lot of attention and i didn't know anything about that Mm -hmm. so yeah what was going on in the regency era because i only knew victorian and edwardian well, I'm so glad you asked, Samantha. Well, excellent. Because I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. So <laughs> I also was not aware of the Regency era um, or the Regency period, Regency Britain. I kind of saw a lot of those. So this is actually a small chunk of time from about 1811 to, hmm, when was it? 1811 to 1820-ish. And so it was the tail end of the Georgian era. So this is a part of the Georgian era when we're talking, you know, the giant big old wigs that you've ha- you'd have and, you know, people would be, you know, in their corsets and their giant skirts and stuff. Okay. That was like the beginning of the Georgian era, right? Okay. The kind of classic Georgian era that we know. So Regency, that right there is classified by um, the king regent. So what happened is during the Georgian era, George the Third was declared insane. He had, I know, right? I declare. Just like, you I, declare I declare. I declare. I declare. <laughs> so he was, yeah, he was declared insane. It's actually very sad. Yeah. His, one of his younger daughters passed away. Yeah. And so he was just so emotionally shook from this that he just went catatonic. He had a total breakdown. And so because... Obviously, obviously, right? Like, of course you would. We're laughing, but of course you would. Yes. And so because of this, the Prince of Wales, who was later George IV, 
okay. George the Third's son, mm-hmm. he stepped in for that time to become the king regent. So, which means that he was basically taking over all of the royal duties because the actual king could not. And this is not uncommon throughout history. In fact, like cultures across the world would do this. You know, there were regent pharaohs. You know, you know, back in the day, you this would happen because. There would be either a ruler who got sick or sometimes a ruler who was too young to rule, like a child. Yes. And it's like, well, we'll have a regent until you're, you come of age and you can actually understand what's going on. So this, this wasn't unheard of. And so that's what's known as the Regency Britain or Regency era. Okay. It's just the very tail end. And this is right before then the Victorian era when Queen Victoria yeah. comes to rule. A great way to keep track of eras. I approve. <laughs> right? Just like, who's the ruler of the time? <laughs> that makes sense. Great. It's you. It's you. So that's what was happening in the Regency era. And the other thing I always think of is just the clothing. So I always think of clothing, you know? And so, again, watching a lot of adaptations, like when you think of Jane Austen movies, <gasps> okay, the Regency era, like what are some... <sighs> fashion images that come into your brain what flashes before you oh my gosh the the tailoring the i don't even know i am i am not a sewing person so i don't even know the words but like (laughs) me either the beautifully bespoke and tiny details this era is a lot about the tiny details you know the beautiful ribbon, the lovely lace, the hair. I know we're talking about clothing, but the hair beautifully set. You have your hat, your thing. Mm-hmm. You got some boot tat. You got some socks. I'm I'm gesturing like I'm actually putting on a boot. <laughs> and then we have our sock. And then we have our thing. And then we have probably have a thing that connects it to our pants. A lot of layers, but a lot layers. of beautifully created clothing that does serve a function. Yep. But it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of layers. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. I see. Like, yep. You mentioned bonnets. Yes. Mm-hmm. I see tight curls. Right. Yes. Like it's all ringlets. It's the ringlets, the tight curls that frame like your bangs. That was very much like the hairstyle <laughs> that I see a lot in the period films. <laughs> um, I always think empire waists, empire waists, and low low necklines. Like yes. there's a lot of cleavage. But in the Regency era. But it's very, like, smushed. Tight. It's compressed. It is it's smushed. like It's Tight. there. But yeah, you're right. Empire waist, low necklines, a lot of Long neck. Skirts, lot a of lot neck. of neck. A lot of neck. A lot of neck, a lot of clavicle. Because yep. your hair is up, too. And so uh-huh. it's just like, it's like it's back of your neck. Yeah. And like, yeah, what's it called? Yep. I always want to say, what, your decollete? Decolletage? <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but well, it's a fancy word for whatever yeah. your, yeah, your chest skin is. Yes, yes. And you, okay, and you mentioned tailoring because one of the things I also think of, and I wrote this down, is the cropped coats that ladies would wear oh. with their empire dresses, but then they have the long coat tails. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of when you said tailoring, that's just what I am thinking of is just the long coat tails. Yeah. And it's it is, it's such a look, it's such a vibe. Gloves. Also, you had to have your gloves like mm-hmm. above the elbow gloves. Yeah. Mm, Otherwise, people were going to talk. People were going to talk if you were wearing your gloves or ankles. Absolutely not. Don't show your ankles. No, that's your private no private space. (laughs) No. So yeah, those are some of the things that I think of. Mm -hmm. And so to give you know our listeners that picture of what 
we're getting into here with sense and sensibility. Yeah. This is the time period we're in. All right. So England is in a time of transition right now, which I think is such a statement. You know, their king is still around, but he needs help. And so someone, his son has stepped in and is running the show mm -hmm. while the king is really ill. And so here we are. Yeah. And there's some cute fashion choices happening. Whoa. Partay. Time of change. Time of change. It truly was. And transition. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, Uncertainty, and maybe? England. So mm. it was also, you know, a little bit more overcast and rainy. A little bit more moody vibes. So which is also, moody. anytime All I'm time. reading Jane Austen, it's just like wistfully looking out at the window, looking oh, out yeah. the window at a gray sky. It's, it's just always kind hazy. Of, it's Jane hazy. Austen. Yeah, yeah for Beautiful. Sure. Um, lightly sunlit glow, you know, through the trees. So, uh, yeah, that's a lot of the energy mm -hmm. of this era and this mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And again, this is 1811-ish, right? Yep. So we're still dealing with the smellometer because I feel oh. like that's always something that we as modern people, that with our deodorants and our mm -hmm. creams and mm -hmm. tinctures, mm -hmm. um, we we just forget that getting your literal body out of bed and doing the thing and then taking mm -hmm. the time to set your curls and do your hair and take care of your clothing mm -hmm. and make yourself mm -hmm. look nice mm -hmm. and fresh because it's 1811 you still got to find yourself a man so Correct. that is kind of the energy we're opening up with yeah so that's a lot of the opening scenes of this and we just jump right into conversation after we do some legal learning about the time we just mm -hmm. jump right into their lives and their conversations so that's also what i love about this book yes is that it's just like all right reader here's the scene here you go yes okay so since you mentioned it let's start from the very beginning here because that first part i did start off reading the book which is when i decided i just needed <laughs> Me to listen too. to I it i was like wait what are we entailing what's happening okay so <laughs> I am not ashamed to admit that I was very confused by that whole first chapter because Ms. Austin starts this book just immediately. It is all legal jargon. It's all about, okay, so we're dealing with, let's talk about characters because Sam, you got us a great character web here. Thank you so much because there are just a dozen and a half characters yeah. and sometimes it's hard to keep them all track and some of them are related some of them are married it's just what is going on what are the relationships and so the main uh the main characters here we're looking at the dashwood family and the dashwood family is is kind of a, a mixture right so we have uh mr dashwood and he is married to mrs dashwood and their children are Eleanor, Marianne, and then Margaret. And mm -hmm. Margaret's the youngest one, and nothing romantic's happening. She's hardly in the book. She's just hanging out I in the sidelines. I forget she's there. Yep. I just imagine her sitting on a chair practicing one of the many hobbies that she's encouraged to learn, yes. like needlepoint or drawing. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. So, three sisters. So, three sisters. Mm -hmm. Yep. But then Mr. Dashwood was also previously married. And so, he has a son, John from his first marriage and it her I, I think she like passed away she died and so then he remarried right his second attachment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and so the whole beginning of the novel 
is telling us the readers that Mr. Dashwood and his second wife and their three daughters all live on the property of, I think it's his uncle. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they help like take care of him and take care of his estate. And because of that, his uncle decides to leave the estate to Mr. Dashwood. But then what he does is in his will, he entails the property to John Dashwood and not just to Mr. Dashwood. And so Mr. Dashwood doesn't have the choice to leave anything to his daughters. There's nothing there. There's nothing for him to give them. And so and I thought this opening, I have a lot of feelings about this because Mm -hmm. I thought this opening was fascinating and I had to read it so many times because it really seemed that Jane was making an effort to illustrate how much this family loved each other and that Mr. Dashwood's uncle was not a bad man. Like this was not done out of malice. It, you know, he actually left all of the girls money as well. And so like he was being generous, but I think for me, it's really interesting how she painted you know, this picture of John Dashwood, the the son and Mary and Eleanor's half brother right away of that just, yeah, there's nothing really wrong with him, but it just seemed like he was kind of a showy guy. You know, he would just show up once a summer and dazzle everybody, but he wasn't actually around. He's not the one to actually take care of people, to really get to know people, get personal or be vulnerable. He just kind of seemed like he was a surface guy. And unfortunately, the uncle fell for that. (laughs) And also, his wife, Fanny, is a very strong character. Oh, she has opinions. She has opinions. She has opinions. And he loves her. She Mm -hmm. loves him. Uh, And so it's very interesting to see how this plays out with once the entailment happens, how are these women going to be provided for? Because Mm -hmm. now it all falls on John Dashwood. Yeah. And I got to say, this gave me anxiety Mm -hmm. because, you know, yeah, little more than 200 years ago, we're looking at this. And at the time, you know, women can't own property. They can't buy property. Uh, They are trained to, you know live in the house and manage the home that's exactly what you're doing you are doing have children wife school but in a nicer way like it's you are training to be a woman of the home and run the homestead and serve your husband because it's the early 1800s yeah but that's the only option yeah you know that is a noble profession and extremely hard work Mm mm-hmm that's your only option yeah and that's terrifying like i was terrified reading this just the opening like oh my gosh the helplessness yeah of you have nothing to do and you have to rely like having to rely on other people and just hoping just hoping that they're going to be fair or treat you courteously continue to favor (gasps) you oh the anxiety because i oh yeah Yeah. I have a hard time letting go of my own control. I am very controlling (laughs) of my own life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I have a hard time relying and trusting, like relying on and trusting others, which I'm working on 
we're expanding. We're going to grow in 2023. That's right. That's what we're doing. It's a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. It's a defense mechanism. But no, that's so true. It's, so I like this was terrifying mm-hmm. for me. And I really being without really your control. This. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have no control in this. Situation. You're just waiting and hoping that their good favor will fall <gasps> upon you. And there's also some, you know, unfortunate leverage that can take place if that doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the yep. the value balance between the yes the arrangement. Yeah. And so you mentioned already Fanny, who is <sighs> John Dashwood's wife, and mm-hmm. she was a strong character. And I gotta say, I need to say something here in yes. a, in a judgment free space. Mm-hmm. So I sort of understood where fanny was coming from in the beginning okay and i just like let's all take a beat because i want to explain this okay because she she for people who haven't read the book right so she is talking to john right about what kind of money they're going to give his half sisters what does support look like because yes unfortunately their father passes away about a year after his uncle does. And so while they thought, oh, my gosh, we'd have time and we can marry off all the girls and it's going to be OK. No, everything went to John, their half brother. And so now he's thinking, OK, well, what do I do? Like, I should give them money or whatever. And so they're talking about all these options. Let's give them cold, hard cash. Yeah, let's give them cold, hard mm-hmm. cash. Let's give them an allowance. Like, let's give them an annuity. And yep. then we find out how Fanny feels about annuities every year. Yes. You have to think about them. What an inconvenience. Inconvenience. Mm-hmm. But uh, I sympathized a little bit at first because she's talking about her feelings on that and how she doesn't like it, but it came from a personal trauma. Mm-hmm. She's explaining to her husband and to the readers that she feels that way because her father died when she was young and left those annuities to a lot of people that were close to them and some servants. Yeah. And those people lived a long time and it became a hardship on her mother. Mm-hmm. So she witnessed her mother go through this you know, grief with her dad passing. And then also this, what came to be a financial hardship. You had to find these servants every year, what she was saying. You have to find the servants every year. And sometimes you couldn't, or we thought he was dead and turns out he was alive. And then we owed him even more money. Yes. Mm -hmm. And like her dad had really good intentions because he was a good man. So I could see at first where she was coming from. And then she took it a little too far and it just seemed selfish. (laughs) Those were my thoughts. Can I, This was one portion that I actually did highlight was something that Fanny says um, near the end of chapter. Oh, I don't know. This is page 18 on the book that I'm on. But it's near the end of the chapter where John and Fanny are chatting. Yeah. And they get to the point where they have now talked and said, "Okay, we're not going to give them money. And Fanny is kind of in between now. We've gone through the annuity. And essentially this paragraph, she's trying to re-slather her opinion and the likeliness that it will be fine because these women, they don't actually need five, or excuse me, these women don't actually need nice things. They they don't need nice things. And so here's here's what she said. And I was listening to this on the audiobook and I stopped what I was doing and I ran to the kitchen to highlight this part. So um she she says, altogether they will have 500 a year amongst them. And what on earth can four women want for more than that? They'll live so cheap. 
their housekeeping will be nothing at all. They'll have no carriage, no horses, and hardly any servants. They will keep no company and can have no expense of any kind. Only conceive how comfortable they'll be. Five hundred a year. I am sure I cannot imagine how they will spend half of it. And as to your giving them more, it is quite absurd to think of it. They will be much more able to give you something. (laughs) I just, so that's near the end of their conversation where she's like, you know what? You're giving them some money. They're not even going to need it because why would they treat themselves to a carriage or to entertaining friends or to having parties? Why would they need those things? Because they can live so cheaply. Why have this fluff? So, uh, you know, Mr. John Dashwood, they should give you something was just (laughs) it just really spoke to who that character was. And she is trying to watch out for number one. And I don't disrespect that. But we get to the point at the end of this conversation where, like you say, I'm good. I'm agreeing. I see where she's coming from. This is coming from past issues. But then we get to the point where it's now judgmental. She talks about how there's fine china that actually would look better at Fanny's home than going with the family to their next place of residence. Mm -hmm. So there are some moments in there where Jane does really illustrate um, and lays bare some kind of secret feelings that get verbalized of Mm -hmm. they don't deserve this nice thing because they're downsizing. Mm -hmm. So I should get it. Thank you for rereading that because that is exactly where it changed for me too. And I just went, ooh, Fanny, girl, girl, I was trying to relate with you (laughs) earlier, but now you are my villain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I am over this attitude Mm -hmm. because it's an attitude. It is. And right there, like that's where it turned from. Okay. You can definitely look out for number one because yeah, like they have a son. I get that. Okay. Whatever you you're protecting your family. You want to make sure that your son has enough for when he gets older. That is totally fair. No disrespect to Mama Bear here. But you crossed the line when you just started isolating and setting these women up to fail. Like the only way that these women are going to be able to continue their life is by getting married, which means they have to find a husband. They got to socialize. Yep. They need to be close to town. Yep. They need to be able to have a carriage. They have to be able to go visit. Like to have servants. She's literally saying, Mm -hmm. like, this is the entire society at the time. This is all there is. There's no phones. There's no computers. This is it. And so that was where she turned into the villain for me. Yeah. Because I'm like, uh, no, 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 no. You're you, taking away the lifelines. Yeah. You're literally taking away the support and the lifelines for these women who've also just gone through this trauma. Like, not only, their father, yeah. not only did their favorite uncle, whom they were so close with, die last year, their dad just unexpectedly died yeah. at a young age. I yeah. mean- this is horrific. And We're now you are, you're just sending these women out and just being like, oh, no, it's fine. Just me, me, me. Villain. Villain. It's villain time. It's villain behavior. <clears throat> Morgan, that's villain behavior. Yes. That's villain behavior. And we, we can see <sighs> that. And we see that for what it is. And it was disguised as not villain behavior. Mm-mm. But then, ooh, it started rearing its villain head. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so... So that's what's happening. And then, okay, so let's talk about some of these other characters. And so Great. I need to put my disclaimer on this right now that, like, this is going to be an explicit podcast episode. So disclaimer, this is going to be an explicit episode of our podcast because I 
refuse to use any substitute for the language that is deserved for describing the behavior, the behavior in Jane Austen's masterpiece that yes. like this book, Sense and Sensibility, it's really all about fuckboys. Yeah. It's like the adventure, Sense and Sensibility, the adventures <laughs> of fuckboys <laughs> in Regency Britain. <laughs> That's a great title. Yes. Okay. <laughs> because like the two other big characters. So, okay. What else? Like, let's talk about just what else is happening. So, yeah, the, basically these women are just, you know, cast out of their Good home. Luck, right. Yeah. But then, luckily, Mrs. Dashwood has a family member who has a cottage, and he's very excited to help them. So they move out into the country. He's like, hey, come be our entertainment. We don't have internet down here. Come be our social people. Yes. Let's hang out. Also, I'm a little obsessed with Regency-era social life. I Mm -hmm. mean, the fact, like, the just... The idea of visiting, like we're just going to go visit our friends and yes. like we're just going to have a sleepover for a month. And then, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what, what it was. It's like what it was. you would live, you know, 20 miles away from somebody, which in today's world might take us 30 minutes. And it's like, great, I'll, I'll see you in a half an hour. But that would take hours to travel by horseback and yeah. carriage, shuff. Yeah, tough terrain mm-hmm. and maybe weather if it's snowing or it's raining and things are muddy and you've just got these, you know, wooden wheels. Who knows? Yeah, Your mud. horse loses a shoe. Yeah. Anyways, it's just anarchy out there. So <laughs> 20 miles your horse this, dies. Yeah, it's, it's just this whole <laughs> idea of visiting. And like, yeah. later on in the book, too, the girls are invited to like go to London and like Go into the city. Go into the city. And it's this whole like, oh, my God, they're going to take a trip for a few months and go stay in London and, you know, be social and stuff. I freaking love that. Yeah. I love that. I'm like, yes, let's bring that back here, please. Mm -hmm. Just come and live at my house for a month. Yeah. And just like be a guest. But you're living here. You're And just live your life. Mm -hmm. Go walk about the grounds. Yes. Read a book. Yeah. We'll play games in the evening time. Walk into the market. We're going to read from our library of books. Who's Obsessed. reading this evening? Obsessed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Play the piano for me. Entertain me. Mm. <laughs> well, and okay, so I don't know if this part comes in, but can I please, because we did start reading. Yes. Um, oh, are you going to read us more bit? Okay, I'm just going to read you Yay! one more bit because it was only in the first couple chapters that I really was on top of like grabbing okay. these things. Yeah. But this is about, um, because we meet our two main characters... And then they start talking about the guys, right? Mm. And so this is a couple chapters in, but this is a moment where Marianne's talking about, you know, we don't have internet. So here's what they do, right? Yes, and how do they ex- entertain themselves? Here's their expectations, right? And her disappointment mm. in the evening's activities. She says, uh, I could not be happy with a man whose taste did not in every point coincide with my own. He must either be into all of my feelings or the same books, the same music must charm us both. Oh, mama, how spiritless, how tame was Edward's manner in reading to us last night. I felt for my sister most severely, yet she bore it with so much composure. She seemed scarcely to notice it. I could hardly keep my seat to hear those beautiful lines which have frequently almost driven me wild, pronounced with such impenetrable calmness, such dreadful indifference." You're reading the book wrong, and I'm not entertained. <laughs> oh, Marianne, she is a firework. She has one. some opinions, man. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love how strongly and fiercely she knows herself. Yeah. 
Yes. I admire that. Yeah. About and Marianne. she knows what she's looking for. She's saying, I am looking for someone mm-hmm. who shares all the things that I love. And how is my sister witnessing this man and being so smitten with him mm-hmm. when he is not alighting from what I can see, from what mm-hmm. she can see, mm-hmm. not alighting her passions in her heart? Yep. Yep. And so that's really the, you know, how we start the book is that. Ugh. The the girls, they are going through this traumatic time of losing their father, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they are falling in love for the first time. They get to move with these fuckboys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Regency fuckboys. <laughs> That's right. And yeah, because the first one is Robert, mm-hmm. who you were talking about. Yeah. And Robert, do we trust Robert? Because here's the thing. Robert, Robert is Fanny's brother. Yeah. And uh, that family, it's like, well, you, okay, so we've already met your sibling in the first couple chapters. And so now we're being introduced to the brother as the audience. Our mm-hmm. inference is, is he just as fantastic <laughs> as his sister? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's, but that's how both of the, them come in because yeah. it, where we're reading right now is that Eleanor has fallen in love with Robert. Mm-hmm. And Marianne has fallen in love with Willoughby. Yeah. Willoughby! And so, at different times, too. And so, there's, in the very beginning, Robert is there, and everyone in the family loves him. Mm -hmm. He's very close with Eleanor. Everyone is so certain that they're attached. Are we talking about Edward Uh, or Robert? Um, oh my gosh, you're right. It's Edward. No, no, that's... Thank you so much for saying that, because I'm looking at your chart and trying to keep... Robert is the other little little brother. Yep. But not Edward. Thank you. No, no, that's fine because there are mm-hmm. just abundant it's an abundance of fuckboys. You guys, Morgan. you guys have to look at this chart, okay, because it's really good. It's really good. And there's a lot of lines. And so yeah. you will see. Yep. Okay, thank you for No, and that's correcting. fine because We're we do about need Edward. We do need to talk about Robert, but Edward is our first <sighs> not yet, it's too soon. Yeah. <laughs> Edward is the first man that starts parading through our book. Yes. And so this is, yeah, Marianne is mm-hmm, saying, mm-hmm, hey. Mm-hmm. Edward came over here and I saw my sister just fawning and being lovey eyes with this man who I see is just not even anything to be excited about. Snoozeville. Yeah, Snoozeville. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they're all falling in love. They are all noticing the gentlemen that are options mm-hmm. now that they have gotten to the area in which they are residing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Willoughby is... He seems like the opposite of Edward. He's much more outgoing. Yeah. He's bold. Self-assured. Passionate. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very much like Marianne. And so it seems sensible. Sense and sensibility. It seems mm, sensible that so they would sensible, yes. be drawn to one another. Mm-hmm. But then where we left off, because we read half of the book, is Willoughby has been visiting Marianne and her family, they have the most romantic meet cute. Oh my gosh. Yeah, run us through it. Ugh. Oh my gosh. So Marianne is walking, taking a walk, just a lovely afternoon stroll with Margaret. But then it starts raining and she falls and hurts <gasps> her ankle. And they're oh. in the middle of a field. And so she is just devastated. She can't walk back. Oh my gosh, they don't have a horse. And so Margaret runs home to get help. And then as Marianne is sitting there, a man, a stranger, 
approaches on horseback in the middle of the rain, and it's Willoughby. Mm-hmm. And he carries her home. And it mm. is just rugged and gentle and romantic all at the same time. Yes. And he just starts attending to her ankle, which is, I mean, immediately. And I think he puts like ice on it and he's just examining it to see if it's broken or swollen, which is just astonishing because i mean he's he seems to be very knowledgeable and confident in what he's doing but also i mean he's touching this strange woman's ankle in her home and just carries her into the drawing room Mm -hmm. i mean i need a fan it is just it's yeah just absolutely she gets she gets swept up literally literally swept off her feet by this man jane is being like we're not only gonna tell the audience that she gets swept off her feet we're gonna literally yes sweep her off her feet it's like yeah it it is like i imagine you know the cover of some harlequin novel at the grocery store (laughs) it's just you know actually willoughby just like carrying marianne and so that's how this all starts and willoughby uh, dude to me he we let's talk about willoughby okay because how we left how we left off this book was that Everything we thought we knew completely changed. Yes. Because what had happened up in this, to this point is that Edward and Eleanor seemed to be doing well. And then he just had to leave suddenly at the beginning of the book. And he's just gone. And she's like, you're going to be gone for a month or more? Yes. You're not he, sure when you're going no. to visit the land yep. area around me again? No. He was called away to work in London. And there's no timeline. There's no timeline. And, and there's no cell their, phones. They moved to their cottage. And so it's like, not only are we not going to be where we're talking right now, we're going to be in a completely different place. And you're yes. leaving this place. And you don't have my cell phone number. And you don't. How do you not have my cell phone number? Email me, okay? <laughs> so that happened. Mm-hmm. And then Marianne meets Willoughby and falls in love. And they're spending every moment of every day together. He's over at their house every day for dinner. Breathing each other's air. Like, hanging out. He's also giving her extravagant gifts. He gives her a flippin' horse. Yeah. That's like somebody giving you a car. Like, he literally gives her a mode of transportation. He's like, here's your car. I know you don't have a driveway or a garage to put it on. You in, live in a cottage. But um, here's your new car. That's essentially, here's your horse. You and doing? she says what? Like, okay, I know that we're going to need to get stables and a stable person, but oh, I have a horse now. I know. <gasps> he takes her over to his house and just like shows her around unchaperoned. Which is just scandalous. That is scandalous. And he, like, she went to his grounds. Um, I think also, you know, the thing, too, that struck me is when he snips off a lock of her hair. Just the intimacy of that. So that's where... There's a lot of hair talk in this book. There's a lot of hair symbolism in this book. There's a lot of, he was wearing this color hair around. Whose hair is on his finger that he is... There's a lot of hair talk. There's a lot of hair talk. It's a little bit of a fetish for the Regency era folk. But it it just, everything seemed so certain. And then we get to the middle of the book. Willoughby disappears, just poof out of the blue, comes and tells Marianne, I'm leaving. Goodbye. Yes. I don't know when I'm going to be back. Nothing. And then she goes to London and is at a ball and finds out he's with some other woman. And just, he completely gaslights her. Just ghosted. Completely. And is like, I don't know. There must have been some misunderstanding. Excuse me. Let's call that out. Boom. Fuckboy behavior. Fuckboy behavior. That is unacceptable. And I was so angry. Yeah. And so that happened. And then we also, all of a sudden, Edward is back. 
And then we meet Lucy. And, oh, I'm sorry. In London. Yes. And Colonel Brandon is also circling around this oh, area oh, as well. well let's just not, Colonel Brandon. let's not um, forget. Oh, but yeah. Okay. You. So Lucy. No, we will never forget yes. Colonel Brandon. Okay. We're going to get to him. Great. Um, because we're just talking about the fuckboys right now. Yeah. Okay, great. Colonel Brandon's not a fuckboy. No, no, no. I just wanted no. to make sure that we didn't forget that he is now on the outside seeing all of these shenanigans with these He's witness. He's doing a lot of witnessing during yes. this time of because, the shenaniganery. Yes, because Colonel Brandon comes in when the Dashwood, the ladies Dashwood, move to the cottage. Yes, and it's Mrs. Dashwood's. I think it's her cousin that right owns the land there and helps them and is like, "Come move into my cottage." Check out the right? infographic that we're going to be probably yes. putting on Instagram. But there's a lot of lines in this, and mm-hmm. everyone is low key. So many related or friends or yeah so somehow they are on their families oh hey it does say their cousins great we're right okay so yes their cousin sir john middleton and so mrs dashwood's cousin and Mm so it's john that is friends with colonel brandon and so when they move there he introduces them to colonel brandon who is like an older gentleman and we say older with quotations because I'm pretty sure he's like in his late 30s. So there's a whole part right. in the book where they talk about how Colonel Brandon is too old for Marianne's taste because he talked about waistcoats or something like that. Um, but So the whole thing that Marianne was saying was like, how could a woman of 27 or 28 hope to be a partner you know, there's nothing left for her to contribute. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, a man of 36 which is the age of my fiance. Oh my gosh. And I know, yeah, we, we're all in the mid 30 area. <laughs> and for her to say something like my. he was just droll talking about, I can't remember if it was waistcoats or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and how maybe he was a little bit sick a couple months ago. And mm-hmm. she was just like, this is all old person conversation. This is old person behavior. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's like nope. he is an older gentleman. Um, but to the fact that what Mary Ann in this book is what age? What oh, age? I don't know off the top. 15, 16. The top of my head. She's just a wee young girl. And yeah, she was a wee young girl. So yes. whatever the age gap is between Marianne and Colonel Brandon mm-hmm. felt like a lot at the time yes. of like 16, 17 and 35, 36 energy. Yeah. So yeah, that's the age range that we're talking mm-hmm. about. But still in this day and age, these are just I know. Some youths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And thank you for bringing Colonel Brandon up because he is just floating around. He's watching as the there's shenanigans. all this other drama because and and onlookers, you know, people as they're visiting, everybody comments about how Colonel Brandon seems obviously interested in Marianne and yep. just delighted by her. Yes. But not in a creepy way. It seems very respectful. Like he seems to already like he's kind of already telling himself like there's no way she's going to be interested in me like she's younger she's so full of life and yeah i'm this old geezer at 36 but like what a partner you know he's seeing her as a potential partner (sighs) and the age gap isn't unheard of for like men of his age and everything but for mary ann yes it's like she sees him as literally 
an old mm-hmm. man and seeing how her perception changes. I know. Yeah. So Colonel Brandon mm-hmm. is watching so all he's of the just floating around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just floating around yeah. here. But Marianne, she ain't giving him the time of day. No, she's not she's all about Willoughby. Willoughby, mm-hmm. Willoughby, Willoughby. Oh my gosh. He reads poetry. Willoughby, Willoughby, Willoughby. Oh my gosh. He gave me a horse. <laughs> like, ugh. Yes. Ew. And so, anywho's. I, you know, I definitely was into Willoughby and I was like, you are so precious. And like Marianne legitimately seems happy. Her whole family, like even Eleanor is like, I mean, yeah, like he's just good to everybody. And then uh, I just, yeah, I felt like I was turned upside down. And so this is all happening. And then also we meet Lucy Steele. Yes. And Lucy is part of the, the Steele family. And she and her sister meet Eleanor and Marianne when they're staying in London. And so they start visiting together. And a bombshell gets dropped. Boom. So Eleanor has been just encapsulated this entire time by Edward. She's still in love with Edward. She's even though she so hasn't seen him in, in love with him. He's been gone for a month. Secretly pining, though. Yep. She won't tell anybody. Yeah. So she's hanging out. Secret heartbreak. And they're having girl time in London. Mm-hmm. And do you want to run us, run us through um, the revelation that mm-hmm. this is one of my favorite bits. I think it's like chapter 22 or 23. And I listened to it two or three times mm-hmm. because of how it is written. And we have all, at least for me, we have all been in conversations exactly like this mm-hmm. of, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. Give us the rundown, Morgan. Oh We're in London. So I love the way... That Lucy and Eleanor meet because mm-hmm. they they've never met before, but they run in the same crowd. And so the Steele family knows the Ferris family, yeah. who is Edward, Edward Ferris, his sister Fanny. Mm-hmm. Fanny is married to John, John Dashwood, Dashwood, who's the half brother of Marianne and Eleanor. So they run in the same circles, but they've never actually met. And so Lucy, I think, just comes in. I did adore lucy i just think that she seems just like genuinely nice yeah a nice person a kind person that you yeah. would want to have as a friend yeah she's genuinely just good genuine and like she has good intentions yeah and she comes in and just first of all starts complimenting eleanor and just saying oh my gosh i've just heard so much about you and i, I love that idea too of just like your rep people knowing your reputation like you, oh. just, you have a reputation when your reputation actually preceded uh, you yes like and she's like I've just that's not just a things. phrase <laughs> yeah and because she also knows that edward you know spent some time with the dashwood family once fanny and john moved into their new house and so she's aware of this this dashwood family so she tells eleanor that they start hanging out and spending more time together and then there's one afternoon and lucy just says you know hey eleanor i just really feel like we're kindred spirits and we're bff and i just want to tell you some of my deepest secrets it's been going great yeah it's been great like (laughs) let's get to the next level of best friendship and then she reveals to eleanor that she is secretly engaged (gasps) and no one knows engaged she's secretly betrothed to one Edward Ferris. What? What? How? And Eleanor's like, there must be a mistake. There has there's, to there's be. There's another Edward sure? Ferris. Like, there has to be. Um, And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, you mean the one related to here that lives right here in this exact place yeah. and is related to my exact person? Yep. That Edward yep. Ferris? And then 
And the, the nail in the coffin now, right? What's, Are you even talking what's, about the picture? <laughs> yeah, what's the nail in the coffin, And Sam? then she's like, I even have a picture of my betrothed. And she pulls out like a little painting picture because, you know, they didn't have cameras back then. So they just painted their likeness so that they could see and gaze upon their person. And wasn't it a whole thing where like he had given her his picture but like he did not have a picture of her and so she was like "Mm, yes thank you so so eleanor is now having this moment where she is confronted with this information of not only edward the name that has been thump thumping in her heart for how long Mm -hmm. dreaming about him you know 1811 style yeah and he was engaged while they and so that's the thing is like recording and so that's they, they were talking and hanging out and Eleanor is just having stars in her eyes when secretly he has an invisible, non-existent uh, little drawing in his pocket that should be there of his person that he's betrothed to and or he betrothing. he never said anything. He never said anything. We never, he never anything about Lucy. And it's like Never she, mentioned it. There's a whole moment early in the book where they notice hair on Edward's hand mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, my gosh, is it Eleanor's? I think it is. And then we realize at this point that this is actually Lucy's hair that it was on his fingers. And so she then has a moment of noticing and like all the information crashing down on her. And as the reader, I felt that in this chapter of mm-hmm. boom, we have like, you know. Hook, line, sinker. It's not only some Edward guy. It is this Mm -hmm. Edward guy. Oh, and your engagement has overlapped my very inappropriate feelings for this man now. (gasps) Oh, my God. How embarrassing. She's realizing, too, she's the other woman. She is not number (gasps) one. Oh, poor Eleanor. I mean, Four years of engagement. And just like, oh, I'm sure that just hurt her pride so much. Yes. And yes. I mean. Second (sighs) attachment. Technically, yeah. on a lower key, we've been talking about, oh my gosh, well, second marriages. A, it's Ooh. not even a second attachment. Mm-hmm. Like, he was low-key cheating. Yeah. I mean, he was. Yeah. Like, with her. Yeah. And she didn't know. Willing, unwilling ah, participant in his bad in behavior. Fair. And so now it's high like, school what energy. do you do? It is so high school. This is such high school. I mean, you know. Yep. It's high school. Been there. This is. These were the conversations been that there. we experienced in high school oh, yeah. all the information crashing like, down on you and I'd be like, like oh no i was like having flashbacks yeah. yes yeah. as this was happening mm-hmm. and i'm just imagining eleanor's whole world falling down i'm like i am totally remember times when i found it i've been cheated on yep. or like i have been the other woman and i didn't know yeah like, yeah seeing the bit of information oh, no. it's like the information you never wanted to know but it's the missing piece of uh, yeah. the mosaic that then is painted in front of you and now you have all the information and now, with all of this information, Eleanor says, oh, no, I have to be respect." And there's even a moment where Lucy says something like, Eleanor, if you were to tell me as my friend that this love with Edward should not be, I know that you have a true feeling towards me as a friend and that you would not lead me wrong. These are not the words that she says, but it's essentially, but if you were... To be nefarious, I could never, you know, trust your word, but I know that you're not and that you care for me as a friend. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of are leaving these last couple chapters of saying, hey, this whole construct and social life and perhaps future you've been dreaming of. Now we are meeting our conflict wrapped up in the present of a friend 
Mm-hmm. In girls' time in London, like these are the cornerstone memories that Eleanor is making. Mm-hmm. And now she is finding out that all of the puzzle pieces that we as the audience have been experiencing and that she has been experiencing, it's not actually real. And there are other variables at play. Yeah. Exactly. Ugh. And what makes it hard for me too is that everybody, Jane does a marvelous job of including the community in her novels. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of secondary characters that we haven't gone through, (laughs) but you can see them on our chart. (laughs) We're just covering the main ones here. Read the book, you guys. Listen to the book. Just do it. It's cool. It's great. It's like eight and a half to ten hours of just nice reading. Get a good audio book with a nice voice, but it's fun. The sub-characters, the secondary characters, Mm -hmm. Mrs. Palmer, Mrs. Jennings, like, their whole thing is just to serve the girl, get the, find them a husband, get them married off, pushing the women in different directions. Exactly. Exactly. And and so with that community, too, there's a lot of commentary from the community that Jane includes in her book. And so we get to see these relationships from the community's point of view rather than just having our own bias in our mind because we're seeing it from the perspective of the main protagonist, right? And so I think that is so interesting because then it really convinced me that these relationships were real. They yeah. were not just in their heads which is again a whole theme here i'm seeing just like so much gaslighting in this book and just you know how austin is is showing that and just like this is what happens like these are the roots of gaslighting women and making them feel like they're stupid or they misunderstood like no I didn't misunderstood. In fact, we have a whole community standing behind us who all thought we were engaged. Our and intuition like, was this right. was not me. This yeah. was not me mm-hmm. misunderstanding or like missing the mark. Like, no. Everyone was watching this. No. And we all <laughs> saw the love in quotation marks, mm-hmm. the courting, the yes. intention happening. Yeah. It's yeah. us as the audience are being told by the community that what was happening was actually a thing and not in Eleanor's mind. You're exactly right. Yes. And so I think for me, just standing by and having to watch these characters figure it out. And that's the thing with Eleanor, too. I really enjoy Eleanor's character and the writing in this book because I get to hear her inner monologue, which you didn't get to see in the movie. You don't ever get that in movies. And that's so good. You just get, you know, the stone-faced, stoic uh, Emma Thompson (laughs) Just looking out on the horizon. You know, you can tell she's angsty and she's having a lot of anxiety and feelings. But being able to actually read her inner monologue, that's so much of this book, is just her going back and forth with her thoughts and her feelings. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who has a loud inner monologue herself, I related a lot to that. It was like you've talked about before, too, with your C-suite in your mind. It's like Mm -hmm. we're all coming to the table, all of our feelings. It's like inside out. And, you know, everyone's Everyone's there. (laughs) Everyone's ready to yell about it. Absolutely. That's Mm -hmm. what I kept imagining in Eleanor's head is she's just sitting there and just that analytical mind that she has. You know, she is like right there. I see too. like she's the sense Mm -hmm. where it's just it's the sense. I am logical. I am, you know, putting all those pieces together. There is a right and a wrong to everything. You know, she lives in this world of polarity. Right. And she really believes in being the best that she can be 
and she wants to do the right thing by herself and others. And that's so important for her. Mm -hmm. And so this news of Edward, like, I can only imagine how crushing that was for her to just be like, it's your whole world. Yeah. And the confusion of like, I'm not who I thought I was, but I'm out of control of that. Like, I didn't get to make these choices. I didn't, you know, I fell in love, which was also out of my control. And that just feels so awful. And then Marianne over here is our our sensibility. She's the one who's feeling all the feelings. You know, Eleanor's over there thinking and Marianne's just over there feeling. With all of the thinking and feeling that's happening, it's interesting to see the two separate journeys that the sisters are on Mm -hmm. at the same time. Because they're walking down this road at the same time and Eleanor is having her heart just encapsulated, mm-hmm. just enlivened, enlivened. Yeah. And then Marianne is like zero to a hundred. I've planned out my life. This man is amazing. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And now they're both out of the picture and we're finding out information. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. So I can't wait to talk about the next half of this book. It's such a it's such a cliffhanger too. It's just like, oh my gosh, guess what? That love that you thought that you were feeling, mm, you should definitely start doubting it now. I didn't realize where I was cutting off the book when I planned this because <laughs> yeah, I was, was just great. like, we're just gonna go halfway and we're see just gonna what happens. Have it. Yeah, and so it was really hard for me to stop because I'm like, oh my gosh, there's all of this stuff happening. Yeah, and- I think we get two chapters into the next <sighs> section, and it's like yes, you just start like feeling too. You start feeling the fallout. You start feeling the. The ruminating, the disappointment, the the re-examining of the past few months' events and where could we have mm-hmm. gone wrong? Where could we have misunderstood? Yeah. My world has gone topsy-turvy. I don't know what's up and what's down anymore. I don't know what's right. There's a lot of confusion. There's some fear. So much fear. But also there's hope because what I do really love about Eleanor and Marianne, the last thing I'll say last comment about this book that I have is I love their relationship and how fiercely protective they each are. Sisters. You know, yeah, it is their mm-hmm. sisters and they are, they're fiercely protective of one another. And while they are wildly different people, they both make this intense effort to support and try to understand one another, even though sometimes they don't. Like they're really just trying their hardest to connect and support one another and that's just beautiful yeah it really is beautiful seeing someone that you love for who they are and what they're doing in the journey that they're on and of course they give each other digs you know of course Mm -hmm. marianne is sitting there talking to her mother you know kind of low-key talking to her mom about like eleanor like sibling trash sibling (laughs) trash right i love that that's exactly what it is it's sibling trash but underneath all of those things They truly love each other. They want the best for each other. And watching how they get there in their partnership is very sweet and interesting to see the sistership support behind it Mm -hmm. while they are also um, experimenting with love and betrayal and secrecy and like being engaged for four years. Like it's not even I'm sorry. 
being engaged for four years. That's just, that is, it's not just like mm-hmm. a couple months ago. It's like, that is like four Christmases. That is <laughs> four Thanksgiving. Secret like, engagement. That picture or... has been in someone's pocket for so long. So the, mm-hmm. the now journey that these girls are going to go on together, um, separately and together with this newfound knowledge. And they're in London. They're in an unfamiliar place now. Yep. And now we're learning all the fallout. Yep. Yeah. Vacay. <laughs> but not really because now our vacay's ruined and we have something to hyperfixate on it's for the next how many days? Ruined and everyone's <laughs> freaking out. Oh, because that's Ugh. the direction, the trajectory. Yeah. Wow. First <sighs> half of the book. I kind of love that you just picked half of the book. I think that that's a great way for us to go about it because then there is that little yep. element of chaos. We're not ending on the cliffhanger. I got to keep on. I got to jump right to the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, my question is for our listeners who uh, went on the book reading journey with us. Comment on our Instagram any any mm-hmm. of the thoughts, any of the agreements, any of the any of the low key yelling that you want to do about sense and sensibility and what mm-hmm. your experience was with the book. Uh, Morgan and I are really loving reading things together, and it turns out this is actually a great way for us to chew through the list of all the things. So. Now we can start the second half of Sense and Sensibility. We'll be back the fourth Wednesday of next month. Yep, to cover Book Nook. To cover Book Nook mm-hmm. and the second half of Sense and Sensibility. So second half of Sense and Sensibility. Yes. That's the next thing on our list. That is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Morgan, any more thoughts on anything that we didn't cover with the first half of this book now the journey that these women are going on mm. the caliber of men that they have to choose from the situation that they have found themselves in you guys this is our first evening in our new pod lounge and we said that we were going to record until 11 and it is now midnight so we have definitely been soaking in um, just we all had a of a lot of Austin to we, talk about. We, we knew this would be a long episode. We knew this would be a long we episode. Knew. We appreciate you guys sticking with us uh, because next month is probably just going to be as long. It'll be interested. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what we cut this down to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have a lot of feelings about Jane Austen. Turns out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we sure do. We sure do. So you'll have to wait a whole another month for the second book nook but we will be returning next week on february 1st for a new episode of Abpod. so you can come and just hang out with us yep. and we're just gonna do our normal chatting and come to you with a fun new segment so Woo. cozy vibes mm, cozy vibes that's right this is morgan and this is samantha we're gonna wrap it up now so have a great evening thanks friends we love you guys